Good to see you all again. Does it feel like as if it's been a month since we last met? Uh, well, what a fantastic day today. Absolutely superb. I mean, now we feel what spring is really like, I think. So tonight we're getting together. I'm going to focus on the names of God. And uh, we're going to start with a new song. Um, it's important that we keep learning new songs so that when we revisit them, we can enjoy them more and more. So this first song is called Holy Forever. Uh, and it ends with a, a part of a song that you will recognize. So as we sort of start to prepare this place for worship, that's the whole point of we're here this evening, is to meet with God uh, in your own way. I've always tried to encourage you to listen to the words, listen to the music, and in a very natural and peaceful way, let's meet with God. So the first song is Holy Forever.
it is crucial to remind ourselves of the names of God. So let's pray as we come into worship. Father, we thank you that you watch over us. We thank you for this glorious day. And we thank you, Lord, that we have an opportunity to come and worship your name. El Shaddai, Jehovah, Alpha and Omega, Abba. These are all great names, Father, and thank you for this chance, this opportunity to just to meet with you now in truth and in worship. Amen. So once again, welcome to Life Lounge. It's great to see you all. And we're going to stand now and sing a well-known song.
spoke a word you were singing over me you have been so so good to me before i took a breath you breathed your life in me so so kind to me really been looking forward to talking to this next gentleman for a while so no pressure terry it is with great privilege uh, that i'd now like to invite terry to join us on the lifeline city that'll be that thing over there Seen about this, you know, already. Um, 
Harry. So, Harry, I'm not going to ask you to introduce yourself because. So, I'm going to assume that most of the people as I look around will recognize your face. Um, and perhaps start talking about family side of things. Well, I hope you don't mind if I think that choice of is in great. Very well. Because, can you hear me okay? Can you hear me? Um, I think that choice of Amazing Grace was very relevant because you realise there's an Irish connection to John Newton writing that song. He wrote that song 22 or 25 years after he was shipwrecked as a slaving master of a ship in Oxwell. So we've got a probably a womanizer, drinkingizing, typical sailor, profiteering from misery. An ordinary man, which people would give a lot of reasons to. Somebody who was selling his soul from the devil. The shipwrecked off the coast of Oxwilly. And that is what actually encouraged him to start reading his Bible, to become a pastor, probably one of the greatest exponents of the anti slavery in the 1700s. And that's basically what my testimony probably Ordinary people, the great and the good are here, the able and the uh, brilliant are not. You'll not get that from me. God does most things with ordinary, stupid people. So my family life, I was, my father died when I was 10. I was brought up by my mother and my grandmother. I probably would describe myself looking back as spoilt. Um, I lived in Belfast, but I spent all my holidays, all my school holidays, and probably about every third weekend on my uncle's farm in County Tyrone. And you're probably picking up a Tyrone accent more than a Belfast one. Um, I would describe myself then, and there's no modesty involved. It is all perfectly correct. As a pessimist, lonely, aggressive, anxious, no father, shy, and I was bullied in school from seven to nine. But my heart's desire was the very opposite. My heart's desire was to be accepted, personable, be able to talk to people, to be congenial, bring people together with me, to be contented, and most especially to be useful. And the one thing I wanted out of life a wife. Um, and I would mark this part of my life with the scripture, which is that great old uh, Unionist and British-Irish scripture that you'll see in all buildings and churches from the 1500s onwards. It's First Peter 2, verse 17. And it's one that I have tried to live my life by, which is, honour all men, Love the brotherhood. Fear God. The bit that most people forget. King. That's the king that lives. At the age of 17, I'd give up going to a Presbyterian church, which was Orangefield. If you know anything about Orangefield, I made the mistake of thinking most Presbyterian churches were like Orangefield. Really, really active evangelical church. Um, I got out of the way of going to it. So it's nearly a bit charismatic now. <laughs> and uh, speaking to a, a friend, the way to work from home, he led me to Christ. Personal relationship, not being religious. Once I agree with said Marx, who said that religion is the opiate of the gives you enough security to make you not afraid enough to talk to God, whereas religion is a relief. Uh, I went to Queen's to do a science degree in 1976 and there was a great Bible study there. Also a good lot of good looking women went to it. So half the student body went to the Crescent Church to the Derek Bingham's Bible study. Uh, I ended up joining the church and the things I take out of that period were I realized the brethren idea of the priesthood of all believers. We are all 
priests after the order of Melchizedek. We should all be doing our bit. I really love the freedom and openness of the breaking of bread service where a six-year-old convert rise at a meeting give a word for the Lord. That is real freedom. And the other thing I learned at the Crescent was that the church, the capital C, is bigger than the church with a small C. It was at the Crescent that I learned. I think a lot of our churches are a bit like Sinn Féin. Ourselves alone. We've got enough finance, we've got enough expertise, we don't need anybody else to help. But that's not the church. The church is the opposite. Uh, it was there I was baptized as an adult, and the verse that was given to me then was Isaiah 40, 29. Gives power to the faint and to those who have no So my perspective as a Christian then was wait for God to direct you to do anything. You need to be certain before you acted, and you played safe. Didn't act on faith. Played safe. God told me to do something. I went and did it. Not until it was at that time uh, I found going to Capenry Hall, which I know holiday centre, Bible school in the Lake District. Uh, it was started by a Belfast woman and her English husband to disciple young German converts after the Second World War. Now, most people go there for teaching, fellowship, for a whole lot of spiritual reasons. I went just to get my heart. I went because the mantle of responsibility and security that surrounds left it as soon as I got off the boat. The only reason I went, I got a lot of teaching, I got a lot of fellowship. Uh, and interestingly enough, I only realized then how much I didn't know how to be a father. I died before. And the interesting thing is, and you see this right through this, right? God has always provided a father or a mentor in every single part of my life. Somebody who I'm responsible to, somebody who I allowed has a day in my obviously secondary. So I got married. It was good, but there were arguments. Work was very difficult. First three two years of my job I really because I was ill because because people knew I'd tell the truth and I wouldn't shy away from that. And then I got moved to another shift and Christian in charge of it and everything. Brightness in it. The one thing you could depend upon me, I was never one of them. I never go along because the crowd. Not a bum like I Something is right, you say it. Yeah, that's why they did <laughs> uh, Then probably the next bit was my marriage. Uh, in 1986, uh, oh, sorry, in my marriage, as I say, it was good, but there were arguments. And I didn't want to have children while I put a block on the very thing that I wanted because I didn't bring, want to bring a child into it. Um, in 1987, I had a nervous breakdown while on holiday. In which showed itself as violent epileptic type fits, not epilepsy, epileptic type, as in extreme contraction, shaking of most teeth, on for about four and a half hours as a epileptic fit. Crash out. I was off work for six months and advised to attend a mental day hospital. So when you're in a mental day hospital thinking you're okay, ask you to make Ruffy a basket, that's when you know. Trouble. So I said I thought it might be a good idea for I just asked this. Uh, that, because of the nature of the illness, uh, meant the potential loss of my job and no total desperation. Because I knew God had got me to talk to people and to serve my queen. 
and uh, I was totally lost. And so that was 1987. In 1999, I persevered, not finding it very easy. Uh, there was a failure of my marriage. Uh, Lady Diana said two and three. And uh, my wife rejected reconciliation. That again, it was the old loyal to God, be loyal to your wife, wait, things will change. Which is probably a silly way to look at it. Um, I prayed then, Lord, save my mind. Interestingly, when I decided to have children, that's when my wife decided. She thought I wasn't. Um, so I prayed, save my marriage, change. I would advocate that for me. That was the beginning of the, all the building blocks. Gathered, put back together again. Um, in 1995, there was a further incident which led to my. Didn't think I'd come to it, and I, I, I knew I wouldn't survive. The one thing about looking death in the don't have time to pray. Really don't have time. But anyway, I did come through it, and I went back to work, and a girl who was praying about marriage said to me, Terry, the Lord has asked me to tell you to read. Psalm 91. But nine years before, an elder in my Presbyterian church said, Psalm 91, soldiers prayer. So I dedicated my service, my queen, by that psalm. And I went, so I'm losing my marriage, I'm losing my life, everything's going pear-shaped. And I go into my office, lock the door behind me, and look up Sam. And he's, you know what? Read it when you go home. It actually went through verse by verse the incident that I just went and that was the one that I had dedicated my service to nine years ago. See, the Lord knew what was happening. And it says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of faith. He is my refuge. Boy, was I. That then was the beginning of another. Very depressed, very isolated. I had to be moved my place of work to somewhere else. I knew at that time I would have to move house. I lost my marriage, any chance of children, my home, security, my friends, and most importantly, my church, because I was going to the local assembly. So I knew I'd have to give all those things up. Other sobering thoughts. So I thought, what do I do? Um, do I obey and do I obey and be loyal to God where I used to live and to my first wife because she's bound to come back to me because that's the way God would want things. And I decided not to do that. I wasn't going to play safe this time. I was going to be prepared to let go, hold on loosely to the things that were important to me and open to change and loss. So, not long after that, I met Mary. Taking to know Mary as well. Now, meeting Mary, <laughs> that was a change because the verse that came to mind then was actually a girl came to me when I knew I liked someone else. A, a girl came and said, Terry, the Lord has told me to tell you there's a time to build up and there's a time to knock down. Time to for war in the city. And on the strength of that verse alone, uh, I started keeping company with me. In other words, I stopped being legalistic and started to take walk in a direction I didn't know what the next step held. Uh, to take a chance and trust God. And uh, I discovered that that led to broken vessels, Lord reworking the clay. Now the Lord was starting to put the blocks back in life, if that makes sense. 
You see, a calling from God starts as a notion, becomes alive when you step out in faith, and you don't know the consequences of your next step. That, to me, is a calling from God. It's a step of faith. You don't know where you're going. In 1997, uh, I got married to Mire. I had agreed that my wife could have a divorce. First wife could have. Uh, And I discovered we were two different people who complemented each other. And we were open to what God wanted. Now, if it's anything to do with Mary, I would refer you to Proverbs 31. You should know that, and if you don't, look it up. Go to find a very... Uh, we continued taking young people to Capenry, as my first wife and I had done. And interestingly enough, the New Year holiday where my wife had walked out, and I knew if I took these kids to Capenry, I would be in a dormitory with a crowd of 17-year-olds. I wouldn't have a room with my wife. And I decided to go anyway. Those two guys that came are now evangelists, one a Baptist. Uh, brethren, and that was 40, they're now in their 40s. So, this shows you, be faithful and God will honour it. So I continue to go to Capenry, continue taking people there, and now I had a ready-made family. But breaking point two came in 2002. We had a crisis and a loss in our family. Broke us. We thought we could get over it, but we couldn't. Just burst into tears every day. So in November 2003, we prayed, whatever you want, Lord, anything. Go abroad to work for you. Give up work, anything. Again, a prayer I would not advocate that you pray. The Lord always takes full note of whatever you promise him. That was November 2003. Can you remember that? 2003. Just before Christmas, we were sitting in an overseas adoption worker's office. Um, the New Year holiday, we went off to Capenry. And that's when we felt the Lord was calling us to facilitate holidays to Capenry. And in January, it was an opportunity for me to take early retirement, which I decided to do. So we came back, fired up. The Lord had given us our calling, which was Capenry, Ireland. To bring young people, as you know, Capenry is about 27 Capenries around the world. Capenry, Ireland brings people to the So we sought church sponsorship here for insurance and so on. That seemed to go nowhere. And then a friend here in the church uh, brought us under the YMCA. Again, we tried to do the things the right way. I went to an elder and we ended up with Robert Lark, who was the father figure and the mentor for that part of our Christian walk and has been so ever since to do with Cape. Uh, but three years later then we were sponsored by Cape Rio self and became uh, regional representatives which is basically an excuse for us to take kids on holiday. So why are we called to this? You know, we didn't know why we just have to bring kids to Cape Rio. It took us about two or three years to realize that we were breaking down the denominational and national barriers. The gospel was being put in practical and effective ways for the young people. We were developing leadership in them, maturity, and they were making lifelong friends. And we were impacting churches and communities just by taking these kids to somewhere where they changed through hearing God's word. So... um, so to date, we have uh, facilitated over 650 holiday placements, various holidays at Capenry in the Lake District, three separate sailing holidays in the Greek Isles with uh, Capenry, Greece. Then in 2015, because I was want, we were wanting, felt the Lord was calling us to do things, and Capenry didn't want us to do them. So who do you obey? Typical one, not. So in 2015, we formed Actively Transforming Youth new company with charity status, to broaden the scope of the work and to finance Capenry Ireland. In other words, to do things that other Capenry are in the Republic of Ireland. 
so far, we've organised cultural trips to the south of Ireland. Again, to be people who are religious or cultural and get them involved in the evangelism of the church. We're investigating other areas of opportunity. Uh, just before COVID, we had started to arrange sponsorship holidays for Lebanese Christians from orphanages in Lebanon to go to Japanry and Greece, sponsored by other Christians from the Arabian Peninsula. That's been put on hold, but we're reactivating that. So, in short, uh, Cape and Ireland and actively, actively, actively transforming youth and community provide a proven platform for others to join us with their specific ministry to be supported and developed. Not much left, but Brian, relax. So, currently, currently we have a volunteer who has joined us to do our work with refugees. That's an African lady. And that came about because in 2022 we were asked by a Presbyterian church to take refugee families to Kippenry because the kids were being bullied because of their ethnicity. And that really was a revelation to me. Mary couldn't go. I went on my own. So between kids peeing beds and things like this here, it was, really, it was probably the most transformative holiday for me because these kids needed a father. Did you notice father was coming through the story before? So um, there were 10 people, children aged eight, to eight months to eight. So since that, we've established a family mentoring program to the family and a befriending scheme to try and get new immigrants who mix with other cultures uh, when they're here. As you know, my son, John, uh, came to us four years after the adoption process started. Guess when his birthday was? Any guess? November 2003. November 2003. Time we prayed. Lord, do something with us. That's when John was born. So, so far we've traced his family. We go, every three years we go to work in Thailand uh, with church people there, uh, teaching in a school and so on. So, John, as you know, is now at Bible school, and uh, we hope to see him soon this next couple of weeks. Yet, our, so, John's now left home, but our house is still full of children. Much to Mary's annoyance and much to my pleasure. So, about four years ago, one of my mentors, a father figure, an Orthodox priest, um, his wife prophesied, she said, Terry, you will be involved with a home and you will be providing and being like a father to children. So I'm thinking, I'm a dementia companion at a hospital. I don't want to be involved with a children's home. So what does that mean? That about describes what we do now. So the Lord does give you the desires of your heart. So in cl closing, to be honest about myself, I would say I'm immature in many ways. I'm not streetwise. I'm not consistent. Not great. I have doubts. And but on reflection, I can say that God has always been a father to me. And all I wanted, I've received. A godly wife, a son, and a family. An opportunity to have a father or a mentor figure for me even though my father died, and a purpose and a calling to him. Some years ago, probably about two or three years, I, I still get nightmares because of the PTSD, quite frequently. And uh, this was a good dream I had. And I actually woke up in this dream, and it was all the challenges and experiences I had in life. Loneliness, depression, broken marriage, blah, 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 all the crap things in life. Circling stars. Then they all came to the present day. That was what I do. So I know it took all those things for Mary and I to do what we do today. Um, could I ask you to pray? We're a small ministry. But could I ask you if you want to sponsor it? You may not want to go on a holiday. But maybe you could sponsor a child to go on a holiday. Just before we come into church tonight, I got a call from an African lady. Say, could we, could we provide some money to go on? The 
Maybe that could be. And just as importantly, Mary and I are there that if you have a ministry and you want help with it, we're there. Very much, Ted. I'd like, first of all, to apologize for my barrage of questions to Terry there. I think you dealt with it very well. Um, Terry, that, that was truly fascinating, and I love that thread of the fatherhood uh, that comes through that, because we're thinking tonight of the names of God. And father, something, a word that rolls off our tongues so easily. But from your story, that just means so much more. Yeah, so I just appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. It's always also nice to get a, a glimpse into that world of Cape and Ray. We've heard it mentioned in our church a few times now, but it's nice to know that what it does. Terry, thank you very much. much thank appreciated. you. Let's give Terry a Thanks, Terry. I'm going to sing a song of worship now. Um, we have to refocus now with all those thoughts in our heads about fatherhood, about the life story of an individual here. And it's interesting that all of that shaped him and molded him. And he's, he can now say, well, look where I am now. He could never have predicted that, but look where I am now. And this, this song of worship is all about, look where I'm standing now.
brilliant just to announce that you're free all the things that uh, tie you down and, and try to make you into a person you're not. Christ can set you free. We're going to sing now um, an older song, uh, Great is the Lord and Most Worthy of Praise. Let's stand to sing this one.
worship you, Father. You are the King of Kings. We are reminded tonight that you are our Father and the responsibility that you have over us as your children. Lord, you've been so faithful to that. And we would pray tonight, Lord, that as we leave this place, that we would know you in a different way. And we would know your names in a different way. So Lord, help us to absorb your spirit as we think about you. Help us to announce you as King of Kings every day. Amen. You've done very well standing on your feet, all that. So take a, take a seat. Uh, and the bad news is we're going we're gonna to finish with a really good, strong song of worship here. So all I'm going to say is please remain seated if you want to. And please stand and, and worship and dance, whatever, if you also feel led. Okay.